0: Welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards, my name's Richard, I'll be your host for the autumn because it's getting cold and dark and I don't like it, it's raining outside and I want it to be sunny, I want it to be bright and sunny, I want to be running about going on a lovely, I don't know, maybe a treasure hunt, maybe, I don't know, a a Yarhar hunt I have no idea because um, it's cold and all I want to do is just sit inside and (laughs) solve riddles of the cloud kingdom, you know, reach out, branch out, I don't know, maybe feeling ill, maybe feeling sick, might need to go down the unicorn clinic, who I I don't know if I'm going to be here, or if I'm going to try and escape, maybe escape from an earthquake, maybe there's going to be an earthquake escape, it doesn't matter, at the end of the day, I don't want to look big, I want to look small, very small, almost microscopic small, almost creatively small enough to create maybe mosaics out of algae and there's only just, one person i can speak to about diatoms
1: hi it's got sabrina
0: <laughs> soba here
1: i'm happy and to speak to you about about all those things
0: all those things we're just bringing up topic after topic it's just you know that's what they do is to open up and then we can and then we end up talking about like why is there a golden pineapple oh, behind you on the behind show. my
1: head behind your head why oh it uh it's a corkboard pineapple
0: what does it do is it for memories do you like put stuff in it to remember stuff or do you throw things at it like darts and stuff when you get it's
1: got like push pins in it right now It used to be hung on the door to leave little notes on the door um pineapples are a touchstone fruit for myself and my partner ah uh so we just we like pineapples and so we acquire pineapple themed items Is it a pizza related
0: pineapple thing?
1: Is it a a pizza, it might, uh, it's flat, you could probably make a pineapple shaped pizza and serve it
0: Could you make Could you make a miniature pizza out of pineapples and have pineapples as the base and then have different stuff on top of it like a dessert pizza that was made out of pizza pineapple rings? You're just wondering, definitely... when are we going to talk about algae?
1: <laughs> I was thinking you were going to ask if we could make a pineapple, uh, pineapple pizza design as an algae mosaic, which I think the answer is yes, you definitely could do we that. don't.
0: You've not listened to the show because we never ever talk about somebody's game until about minute number 45, until it's like <laughs> the last last kind of bastion. Um, you, you've you got your website, which is Ludo Liminal. That's right. Which is obviously very, very difficult to say three times fast without making a a, a muck of it. Um, And you've been involved in game design for a decade. And then you say a decade and then you go 2013 and then I go, that's not... No, a decade a decade is 1993. That's a decade. That's what happens (laughs) in my mind with a decade.
1: No, Um, I, I believe you there.
0: But Let's let's go to the side and let's go back because what we like to do in the show is we like to have a little a glimpse back at the um, the mitochondria of the past before we look at the plankton of the present and we go on to the algae of the future. Um, not connected, but they're all really small. Um, you know, like my talent. Um, we, what's your what's your kind of your, your kind of your educational background? Are you an academic type person? Because you seem to kind of be branching, you've you've got your books out there, you've written books, you're you seem to obviously have an interest in a little bit of science and stuff like that. So what's your kind of your going way, way back? Would you consider yourself mm. an analytical person or?
1: Uh so I my my professional career is all in games, all right. but from video games. Um but I did go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. For entertainment technology, oh wow, okay, uh, yeah. So that was so that even back then it was games all the way. But I I do think a lot about um, games from the perspective, like, like kind of related to academia, like how how are games more than just entertainment? That's right. a big. That's been a big theme of of work that I've done over my career. So,
0: in terms of what are you looking at, kind of like. Um, benefits to playing games and stuff like that societal benefits connections with that you know skill yeah, set absolutely. things like along those link, uh, those kind of lines
1: yeah you know play is so primal in how we understand the world so you know understanding the world is just another phrase for learning so mm-hmm. I think it's natural to think about like when you're when you're producing games you're making games or designing games I think it's natural to sort of think about the learning process what you're learning and like capturing that mysterious attitude that players bring to the game where they don't expect to so they don't expect to know what to do necessarily yeah. Yeah. at any moment. they don't expect to get it right at first. They're yeah. like there to just be open and learn. and that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful feeling as a human. and games like help us feel that. And so, yeah, I don't know that that has always fascinated me that i that like the experience of the game is more than the act of playing the game. It's something. More meaningful for
0: us. In terms of then kind of like gaming as an education, and this has always flummoxed me at school, is that when they're teaching kind of kids, kind of maths and English and things like that, is that there's a great opportunity for games and a great opportunity for them to bring in kind of fun elements to make something fun. I mean, um, and I, I talked to my, my, I've got my my son is, um, he's, was it? He'd be the, he is um, the, what is he? He's a a child. Um, But he's about to go into high school. Okay. So this will be his last year of kind of like what we call primary school here. But looking back on how how he's learned and stuff like that, it always seems to be remember this and try and understand that. But there seems to be a a missing opportunity for people to sit down and say, if we made this into a game, you'd probably remember it and maybe pick it up and kind of understand it. And I've always never understood in terms of the practical applications of learning. As in, if I'm teaching maths, it's like, well, I know you understand now how to divide, but here's the practical application, how you can use it. And if you look at kind of like some of the more advanced board games where people are kind of figuring out kind of victory points and battle statistics and stuff like that, then they're naturally kind of using maths but they don't know that they're using maths. And I always feel like when they're going kind of through their academia, that there's a lot of people that could learn stuff. I did chemistry at university, yeah? And there's a pile of stuff that I would have understood a lot better if it was represented in kind of like almost like this is a kind of a game format and this works on this and this works on this level and this is how kind of like this kind of comes together. So is that the kind of stuff that you kind of focused in is how can how can we use gaming not as it can be yes, it's leisure, but also at the same time the gaming experience can be branched out into helping people be people and grow and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. Actually I, I worked on a virtual reality game about chemistry, basic chemistry skills. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, so I've been there and and done that. Like, tried to, um, yeah, I don't, I definitely that's, I, I love that stuff. I love thinking about like how do we embody these ideas in a space where it can be playful but also possible to build. And for much of my experience with that, it's been focused on digital games and video games. Um, and board games are similar but different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think every game. Oh, every game has, like you said, like there's there's stuff embodied in the game because games are, when it comes down to it, representations of real life in mm-hmm. some some way. They're sort of they're models, and it's just like how how much does the fidelity of the model to the real world matter uh, in terms of like what you want to get out of it? If you want it to transfer to the real world, so like you, you play a chemistry game and then you actually can do something. Yes. Um, in a chemistry in a professional chemistry situation or at least an academic chemistry situation uh, yeah I mean, like oh that is emergent from games but also to go deep on a subject you kind of have to be intentional as well
0: so in your day job uh, are you are you kind of what is it you're doing on a day-to-day basis you say you're involved in kind of actual video games so is it the academic side of video games or are you kind of helping people pull noobs and level up and <laughs> <laughs> no. here's my glowing sword <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i i i worked at a video game company well a video game asterisk because we did a lot of different things oh. the company does a lot of different things uh yeah. for 13 years wow. um uh, there's a studio here in pittsburgh where i'm based called shell games oh, and okay. s-h-e uh s-c-h-e-l-l right uh, well I, I used to be that i could not spell the word shell without spelling it s-c-h and yeah, now i just yeah, yeah. did it wrong there you so, go um deprogramming is happening passed, now it's
0: you've passed on the other side you're yeah. <laughs> free <laughs> you can now, we can now stop we've done the you know the, that's it we're we're 15 minutes in and therapy's done yeah all can right just walk
1: away. <laughs> something to unpack there next time next session uh yeah so there, there I worked on a lot of digital games mm. and um, and all sorts of variations thereof, like mm. tablet MMOs, location based things with physical props, like mm-hmm. just a huge diversity of different types of projects. I don't have that day job anymore. Mm. I left in two thousand eighteen, and now my day job is my own company, Ludoliminal, and yeah. the work that I do yeah. there, which I mostly design board games. And I also do some consulting, and I also do some... But, and the consulting is sometimes about game design, sometimes yeah. about playtesting.
0: Right, okay. Because, to me, playtesting seems to be... Playtesting seems to be a thing that people can get very, very right, or they can get very, very wrong. In that it can be Emperor's New Clothes in playtesting. In that you can playtest... I could playtest a game with my friends... And their acquaintances, they don't like me If I put a game in front of them, they're going to say Right, okay, the, well the three player works But the two player's terrible And the five player gets so crowded It's going to take us three days to finish the game <laughs> Whereas you do get people That they play test a game in front of like a group of friends And they're just like This is the bit, this is, I mean Talk about terraforming Mars Killing, this is just amazing It's like, well it's nice, it's a trick taping game It's got nothing to do with terraforming Mars, but thank you very very much But in terms of the playtesting side of things, um, what what are you doing with that? Are you how how are you helping people with the kind of the playtesting side of things?
1: Uh, for folks who need help uh, augmenting their playtesting, so I have I work with local families here in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. for my games uh, and have them play my games usually blind. So usually I'm dropping a game off mm-hmm. and they play it without me. Wow! Uh, so talk about intense playtesting. Uh, And that's partly a factor because I started my company during the pandemic. Um, But it also it does it has its advantages when you're working on board games in particular. It also comes with like a lot of. um, It it changes how you Mm -hmm. think about that first that first play test with with non friends and family and when you go beyond friends and family. But in addition, I'm starting now that we're the world's opened up a little bit more. I'm starting to do more uh, play testing in person and facilitating that for some other folks digital digital right now uh, so people who are working on interactive games for kids yeah and want to play test with kids and their guardians and arranging for for that to happen and then I I facilitate the play test and I um, record it to some extent and do some notes and synthesis for them so it, that's the that's the kind of play testing that I do is like from my company standpoint for others
0: uh... Uh-huh. okay okay do you- <laughs> Is there times where you've kind of like, you've gone in and changed the game completely because somebody's went, oh, that should be green. And they've went, oh, my goodness, yes, you're so right. And it's kind of helped take a game to kind of like the next level. Or is it always kind of small little, maybe incremental changes that you've helped with it? Um,
1: I've seen both of those things result from play tests. Mm. and there's there's so many different ways to answer that question. I've definitely seen the change the color. Yeah. Usually, that's uh, not a regular playtester. That's a stakeholder <laughs> whose opinion is really important. Yeah, uh, that you have to listen to, and they might they don't even have to explain why they said it should be <laughs> red instead of green. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just do things because the people who care about the project and who are supporting it mm. have an opinion, and you want them to like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, especially with projects that involve uh, a lot of like maybe it's a work for hire or something like that. Then though, there are times when that just makes sense. Definitely had play tests where big changes happened after the play test. Usually, it's this isn't working.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like like yeah. big changes
1: are often. Um, I don't think I'm trying to think if I ever have a play test where a brand new like go this direction positively from the play test emerge directly from the play test. I think it's usually like something about what we're currently doing. There's some friction there, or it's not hitting the note in terms of the experience you want to hit, or there's something that's being ignored that we think is like a place to double down on instead. And yeah. so those then there's changes that emerge after sort of reflecting on those observations, which tend to be, it was like more high friction than we wanted in some way. Yeah. Um, a lot of times that's that's what emerges.
0: But, um, is it, are there still, is there? Is there like a standard that people should, because pl- playtesting doesn't seem to have like a standard, that there doesn't seem to be kind of like, almost like, the, these are the three levels that you should have for playtesting, you should cover it off, it all still seems to be kind of like a fiddle around, kind of like in the dark. I mean, do you have like a set of standards that you work to that say, okay, for the bronze, bronze standard, we're going to make sure that everybody can play the game from you know, the rule book and that none of the major none of the major rules if we bring them in are gonna actually break the game to the gold standard which is I can chuck a box at people this I, you, you could probably chuck this box, it'll probably hurt. Um it's just for <laughs> and it's like this is when I forget I'm not actually recording the video, um, that I just held up a small box in my hand and people are gonna like, I oh, will probably edit it out anyway. But that you can put the box in the rule book at people and then walk away and then you can come back and kind of again Gain the kind of the feedback. I mean, do you work to kind oh, of like a set level?
1: That's where it's so interestingly different. One one of the ways it's interestingly different between video games and board games, and like and the fact that I ended up doing, just even from the very beginning when mm. I switched to board games. Like, but when I worked at video games, we bring families in. Yeah, uh, and we'd observe them. So yeah. they'd play. We try to be. We try to be like hands off. We're watching them play, mm. and it's usually it's usually one person or a group in like a set length experience and the game is driving the experience cuz that's what you get in video games the yeah. game drives the experience so like you get stuff in board games the players have to unpack the box and do everything yeah no no <laughs> i mean no, you, no, can, no, you can you can certainly run yeah. playtests where you're guiding them and i have done that at like conventions or if i'm playtesting with like friends and family or i might do a teach Instead of have them learn to play, especially if I if it's like limited time and I really want their feedback on the gameplay versus mm. feedback on the rules or how the, the scaffolding for how to learn to play. So if I'm depending on what I'm play testing, um, because when I play test with families that I don't know, I'm dropping the box off. Yeah. For me, that means that forces me to really think about the rules, and the rules are a huge part of the experience. You can have a great game with a crappy uh rule teach for like someone opens the box and they have a really hard time understanding and like complexity and perception of complexity are two very different things so if your rules make the game seem complex especially with families and they get overwhelmed and i've definitely had that experience with my games uh like the game can be great when they already know how to play but learning how to play is very intimidating and and prevents them from getting to the the fun so uh yeah, I, for me I end up playtesting rules much earlier than I think maybe other people do and it, and it's it's just so different from video games where you don't you certainly do playtest comprehension of the game but the game can bring proactively so much more to your to the player's understanding of how to play and do so much more guiding
0: oh yeah 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 yeah. i mean i could say i mean using this lovely box this small box game which i'm not going to say because we're here to talk about your game and not anybody else's game but <laughs> there's nothing to stop me if the rule book says deal five cards to each player from dealing six cards to each player but if i'm playing a video game it's like you've got five resources it's like i'm going to take a six one you can't take a six one you've got to take five right and right. it also depends on the interpretation of the rules i review games I do write-ups and review games on a regular basis and if you want me to not like your game the easiest way to do that is to not, and you expressed it absolutely, is to prevent me from finding out where the fun starts, how quickly I can get to the fun because an ideal game to me it's almost like um, it's like it's like any kind of, it's like set expectations, as in Here's an absolute overview of what's going to happen on the game. Because I have had so many games, I've I've had so many games that I've played where there's not an overview of the game from on the front page that says this is the game and this is what you're going to do and the winner is going to be... And I've played games where you don't find out the winner until you get to the back page of the rules. And I'm just like, is this 15 points? Is it 20 points? Is it the first... And, and that to me is like, manage my expectations and then the next thing to do is to explain everything in one chunk chunks if i'm doing actions this is what i do and at the end on the back cover <laughs> right on the back cover have a round tracker tell me he have a reminder on the back because i am a memory beast and i just need kind of to be prodded and that's the kind of you know You know, and I'm just wondering, am I, you know?
1: Yeah, no, those are all fantastic. Yeah, I I think a lot of times I read rules, not a lot of times, but there are times when I read rules and I think this perfectly explains the game if you already understand it. It's a catalog of an understanding of the game as from the perspective of someone who knows already the mental model of the whole game and Mm. is just trying to document it. So it's a document of the truth of the game, but that's not how people read rule books. They read rule books having no mental model and they're trying to build it. And just like you said, I think, yeah, you want that sort of high level, like this is the silhouette of the game. Yes. And then you want to kind of fill in the pieces. And then you want to like label it at the end with a nice little like quick to remember reference name tag or, you know, if I'm just going with a really strange metaphor about the silhouette of a person as a, as a rule book. But I, yeah, like that is, I think, I think everything you said I totally agree with, but it's also hard. It's hard to see your rule book from the perspective of someone who doesn't already have a mental model of the game and so playtesting your rulebook and letting people play your game blind with you watching or with you not watching, those are all great ways to learn what is not obvious to people who don't have a vision of what the game is overall.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also the other thing is as well is if you end up doing that, I know that of games that have huge rulebooks. Multi-page rule books for a very, very simple game. And the rule book is amazing and does everything really, really well. But just by picking it up, you're kind of like, you're like this. Right? It's part oh, of the experience. Oh, my goodness. This is huge. This is a tome. This has got like 30, this has got 40 pages, yeah? This rule yeah. book is 40 pages. And again, I'm not going to mention what it is. But it does it perfectly. It's absolutely fantastic. However, it's the most daunting thing in the world to first when I first played it. Because I went this is 40 pages of rules, this is horrible, but as I go through it says it does, like, this is a round, this is how you play, this is how each of the different things play, here's the exceptions to the rules, here's the reminder on the back, and this is how you kind of win, so it's kind of lovely, it's kind of lovely with that. Bearing that in mind, when it's come to your own games then, have you, do do you you go much harder into the playtesting then? With the game, with the kind of, well, one of them's obviously, one of them's the book, but then you've got um, Bjarhar Hunt. So when you're playtesting your own game, are, do you got to remind yourself of your own playtesting that you got to teach yourself? You know, you're teach you got to go like, I'm telling people they should be doing this, but I'm not doing this myself. I mean, do you go harder on how, when you're doing your playtesting for your own games then?
1: You mean do I do I ever make the same mistake that I see other people make yeah. when I was, oh yeah a hundred percent well and and sometimes you know especially first pass rule books oh, yeah. man it's hard to figure out how to explain something it's hard to figure out where to start to pull the thread mm. uh, you know like where what's the right way I'm working on a, a cooperative game um, that's not on, uh, it's on the website with a, a um, the name is creature rescue and and basically you are you're working together to rescue animals mm. and when you get the engine of the game in your mind it's not a complicated game but to understand everything that needs to happen and to do it quote correctly yeah feels intimidating and is it you know it, it is intimidating like there's a lot of design in that like you design the game yeah. there's so much design in the tutorial experience and in video video games like climb back to that the tutorial experience is very like active the game is kind of presenting it to yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. in board games there's a lot of subtlety to it right like how is the book laid out how big are the pictures how many pages like those are yeah, things yeah. that also matter for how it feels to learn to play a game how is it written is it written for read aloud you know like because that that may some groups may read like those are all just different things that you don't have to think about <laughs> with video games that could help your game be learnt by a family in a much, in an easier way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely, but it's a lot. It's a lot of design work. It's a lot of tough stuff. And so the first pass of a, a, a rule book for a game, typically it doesn't nail all those things the first time. It just can't. No, because no. if I did that, I, would, I wouldn't show it until it was like polished. And then it would utterly fail because that's what happens when you like, just think about something mm-hmm. hard and you don't actually yeah, <laughs> play test it on the yeah. way and like see it. So that that makes the first playtest like any first playtest of a game, you know, that can be like a lot. You can look at the playtest data. I just did this recently over the summer and be like, oh, so much of what was bad about the experience is how the game gets explained and like the player aids or lack thereof and how, you know, just little pieces of UX that remind players about how things work and give them the affordances to sort of have that intuition of how it's supposed to work or even just, you know, changing the mechanics so that it... Fits that intuition better, right? If everybody yeah. gets something wrong, maybe you should just make wrong right, and and everybody wins, and then they won't get it wrong anymore, and and you'll, uh, you'll you know feel clever, and they'll feel clever. And so it, so many of those things come out of the iteration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I would get it right the first time, that's for sure.
0: I I and I also wonder if that's the reason that um, that Rodney from Watch It played. Is never ever going to be out of work because he continually makes these watch, you know, these how to play videos, and I know of people that have, you know, it's like we'll be talking about the next game that we're going to be playing at the the games club, and one of the people that I speak to is like, well, has it got a Rodney video? Because if it's got a Rodney video, then I, it, they've got a way of, you know, I could show them a real book and they'll be like that. Well, <laughs> oh, no, what page did you get to? Three. <laughs> That's not even, that's past the introduction. Yeah, I know, I'm just looking at the components, it's so confusing. But then Rodney comes on, like, with his big, he's almost like a really, he's like a really, like this, like a really thick cardigan. You put it on top of you, and then you feel kind of warm and snuggly, and you say, right, I can crack on with this game. Because he manages to kind of distill a game into into the, I was learning to play Warhammer Underworlds. And I looked to the rule book and it's a Games Workshop rule book where they're just, you know, they're a multi-million pound, <laughs> billion pound business, but my word, those rule books are just like, you know, it's like I was I was thinking of just setting it outside and just letting it go free and letting it try to survive by itself because it was just it's like develops its just, his own consciousness. Oh, it's just such a you know, it's like refer to this, refer to this, here's a glossary, here's this, here's that, and it's just like this is so bad. I went and put it on, put on Rodders. And he explained it, and I was just like, that. I know how to play this game. I can confidently walk in with my box of plastic that's going to last 50,000 years and put it on the table and everything's going to kind of be fine. Um, in terms of the games that you've created so far, it's a different kind of set. They seem to be ones that are like cooperative games for kids. And then you've got like The Riddle of Cloud Kingdom, which is your game book. And then so... Has is diatoms a relatively new design journey for you or is it a case that it's been sitting in an A4 pad for like the last 8 years and you just you just hadn't done anything with it yet because the timing wasn't right because I've seen that and there's nothing wrong with that at all it's just that there's, it's there's like a certain point where you say right now I'm going to clean out the garage kind of thing <laughs> And you're like, now I'm going to design this game. It's a good time to do it.
1: Yeah, no, on the eight years, I confidently can say that the game did like total origin no earlier than 2020 because I I I started working on this game through a a fellowship that I received for 2021, and I started that conversation in 2020. And when I, it's funny because when I started. I like, I like cooperative games for kids and adults to play together because the table talk is interesting. I have two kids. I like I, I, that genre just did not exist when I was a kid growing up. No. And I, I think nowadays it's so much more prevalent for adults and kids to share all kinds of game experiences together. And I think yeah. cooperative games are a beautiful gem in that space. And so I aspire I aspire to make more cooperative games. I also think that it's hard. It's hard to design a great cooperative game that works really well. That's replayable with, with, um, and then, and then spanning multiple ages. It's a hard, challenging mm-hmm. problem. And when I first started working on the game that would eventually become Diatoms, my idea was a cooperative game. And that would, that would, every time you play to be a little bit different, kind of like a slight version of. Legacy and like if you have played like Zombie Kids or something like that oh, yeah, along those yeah, yeah, veins, yeah, 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 you know yeah, something yeah. I I like that model. So I I wanted to explore that design space, but I was also to think part of the main idea of the of the grant was sort of thinky family game that would support math identity. Be you know game first, but math identity it would be in there. And um, diatoms emerged through like an evolution, and it wasn't cooperative. Uh, It wasn't, it didn't have like any kind of like legacy, legacy light element to it, Mm. but it was really compelling. It was really, the gameplay was, at the time it didn't have a theme, but the gameplay was really compelling and I couldn't, I couldn't, nothing else ever elevated above it. And so I was iterating on that and I did experiment with a legacy version of it before it was themed diatoms that was called Fraxagon Uh, it's it's a long it's a long story i can tell it but it's it's it was the game was
0: it's your night as they say
1: (laughs) the the pitch of the game is you've landed on alien planet and there's this crystal growth on the surface of the planet and through a series of experiments you're going to discover that this crystal growth like how to communicate and understand the growth patterns of this crystal covering on the surface of the planet uh, but you did that through this. It was, there's no rule book. There's just a deck of cards wow. and the deck of cards uh, evolve, uh, come out over time and give you like the new set of rules mm. to sort of run these experiments, AKA um, sessions of the game, some of which were cooperative, some of which were not cooperative. I, I, that all sound, makes it sound like it exists as a full thing. And I do have a working prototype, but it, like, it, never, it never got to a place where I was like, yes, this is definitely, it was always interesting as a designer. And, I, I, and maybe I'll go back to it, but it never was like, this yeah, is, this is yeah. definitely going to make yeah. it out into the world. It's not there yet. Um, yeah. But that was kind of along the lines that in my sort of beautiful dream of mechanics when I first started out on the project, because it was semi-cooperative, at least. There were elements of competition. It was cooperative and there, it was legacy. So there would be that tape, that interesting mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. talk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Diatoms is not either of those things. It's <laughs> a great game. And I'm very, I'm like, I like, I love, I love where it turned out. Uh, that just goes to show you that you can't, you don't always get to design what you think you're going to design Um you're going to have to be open I think
0: I'm, because I'm looking at, and I've got two screens which is why I'm like, you're going why, why Why are they looking over there? because uh, I'm looking at the pictures of it but where'd you get, <laughs> the thing is right okay, so where then where, where'd you get like did you accidentally go down the wrong bit of YouTube and then you're like, oh, yeah, you're, that's, on the di- you're on the diatom That's basis. a good like, summary. I,
1: I went to the aquarium.
0: <laughs> hey, okay.
1: I went to an aquarium and uh-huh. there was a sign. And the sign had a photograph uh-huh. of various diatoms. It was, and the sign was like, we're growing beneficial algae. It's on a dolphin tank. And I could not get the sign. I had a game that was abstract that I didn't have a theme hmm. for, but I thought it was compelling. It was Spraxagon, not the, not this uh iterative version but just like a straight version of the game that was competitive hmm. and I saw the sign I just I just like oh diatoms I probably heard that word in middle school or something learning in biology but I hadn't thought about it if I ever did but they just looked so cool so then yeah. I yeah I fell down an internet rabbit hole that's that is how I describe <laughs> it. Um and in in that process I saw a diatom mosaic because if you yeah. look up diatoms and you like you start to like, you will just still see this picture, Be like, what the heck is that? And you look at it, and it's a mosaic made out of made out of single cell algae. And when I saw that it was like, like a mind virus, I couldn't unthink about it. And I also immediately Mm -hmm. almost immediately was like, like, I have a design log where I write down, you know, occasionally, like the notes of what I'm doing. And my entry there is diatoms, all caps. With a couple links, but that was like, <laughs> after I saw one of those, I was like, this is the theme of the game, I think, you know? Yeah. And then within within two months, I had something that looks a lot like the final version of the game, uh, and doing a lot of what the current game does, and it was just, which made me really happy, because I thought Diatom Mosaics were amazing, and I yeah. immediately wanted to make part of my goal, just let other people know about this amazing little Mm. scientific art form uh, and just let everybody be delighted because i found it delightful and i wanted to share that delight with as many people as possible and i had the game i had a game basis i had like if you will a pizza base and then these pineapple mosaic toppings on the pizza and i was i was like i'm going to serve that beautiful (laughs) with pineapple yes to the world but then
0: it sounds like it then expired It, it was an inspiration to kind of finish the game because you said the previous game were there were thereabouts whereas yes. this seems like I had this idea and I just smashed it down on the table and it just worked and everything was fantastic and I was kind of able to to kind of move move on to it. How long was it then to take it to to development and then how easy was it to kind of get it kind of play tested?
1: Well full development like I said started like doing pre-work just thinking about what the game could possibly direction like back in in the beginning of 2021 Mm. and then I had a version of the of the game like core mechanics in the summer of 2021 and I did a lot of iteration on it and then in early 2022 I was I was kind of stuck on it Mm -hmm. I was experimenting with this weird version that I was telling you about that was kind of like legacy-ish with a deck of cards but I wasn't I didn't know if that would go anywhere and I didn't and the main game like the gameplay was I think from a mechanic standpoint I thought there was something there Mm -hmm. and it was compelling to play but it didn't have any it didn't have the joy of a theme it didn't have the like appeal that a theme brings to a game and so I was like on the hunt for what's gonna help like breathe the breath of life into this game and Diatom's the theme became that breath of life, yeah, uh, and just totally worked. And then by the first version of that, you were, for the purposes of prototyping, mostly you were drawing your mosaic. You weren't, yeah. you didn't have tiles because yeah. it was much easier to prototype that. Yeah, um, that was compelling, but it had some pacing issues. Um, and then I, I play tested the tile version at the end of twenty twenty two. And the first playtest, my first playtest actually, my first playtest that wasn't like me and my my partner who collaborates yeah. with all my designs, yeah. was at Pax Unplugged. Wow! And as soon as it was on the table and I watched the first game, I was like, "This is the game. This is the version I have to make because the pacing was so much better. Yeah. Like it had it had all the good things for the most part, except the, yeah, the cost yeah, to yeah, produce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it lost like it's fun to draw." That The drawing part is fun. And maybe I'll do something that kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah, sp- yeah, yeah. spin yeah. off our a little like print and play. I have a little print and play version of the game. So maybe there's more to that can be explored with the drawing. But the tile placement was right for the pacing of the game. It just made the game snappier. There's a little uh, asynchronousness to the turns for players because mm. they can take their tiles and then think about how they're going to arrange their mosaic as other people are moving. So it, it just, it picks up the whole game. And then it's so beautiful. Like it embodies and evokes. The beauty of the diatoms with these shiny tiles, um, and so. And it, the game has changed a lot in very tiny ways since then. Yes. But I would say December 2022, basically had the game as it was. But the only thing that's major that's shifted is I've added a solo
0: mm-hmm. variant
1: that I that I developed this past summer. Uh, so be a couple years of the full cycle, and then I won't. The physical games, I'm on Kickstarter now. Yes, the physical games will ship next will be arriving to people next July so 2024 so three years yeah
0: in, ter- in terms of then um, what, in terms of how you play can you describe an actual round of the game we are almost at the 45 minute mark which is when as I said which is when people <laughs> get to talk about what? It's, I mean, this is you know, it's like if I was like some kind of serial murderer type of thing. He says, "Well, he plays with his food for about the first forty-five minutes, and then <laughs> then he gets the landing blow." It's the only thing. The only thing that we've got to go on. I could use a different analogy to that. I don't think murderer is a good one to go with. <laughs> okay. But if I'm playing around, what am I doing in a round? Into
1: first thing you're going to do is get a water tile mm-hmm. from the draw piles mm-hmm. then you'll have three to pick from and then mm-hmm. you're going to place one of those water tiles in the center shared space it's called the algae pond mm-hmm. and you're by placing it there you're sort of revealing the ponds yeah and the place where you place it it makes an intersection of of at least three tiles and those are that's a sample point so you take it right. there's a little lens tool and you use that to look at that intersection and based on the makeup of that intersection what algae colors are there And how much of them that determines which diatom species you're able to collect. Right. And you bring, then you, then there's little Petri dishes full of diatom tiles and you grab your diatom tiles and bring them over to your microscope slide board. And then the next player can start their turn at that point. Um, And you will be choosing where to place your tiles on your slide board. And then when turn comes back around to you, you start, you do it again.
0: How long does it last then? I mean, is it, would you consider it kind of like a, is it a couple of hours is it a standard kind of- oh no
1: no no it's it's uh two player game is 10 10 rounds and uh, three or four player games eight rounds so it, it usually lasts 30 to 40 minutes all oh, right okay. i mean first game might take a little bit longer i think yeah. if you're learning to play but yeah it's it's a pretty snappy game and that's one of the reasons why the tile direction was was definitely the right call for the experience because it, it just keeps the game moving yeah. pretty quickly
0: yeah i mean the, the the thing, I've seen people kind of play like cartographers mm-hmm. And folk are like drawing out the kind of the shapes And you get some people who literally, you know <laughs> It's like, so that's, that's an oak No, that's an ash tree actually And the bird's nest Yeah um, well, I think you'll find that's, you know, that's European swallow in there. As you can tell, by the way, I've drawn the twigs and the wingspan of that little bird. And you're just, and other people are like...
1: <laughs> I think that's delightful, but it's, it's, it may not fit in game night timeline for yeah, people. Yeah, or, or
0: you get people that are going, well, it's a tree, isn't it? it's a, tri- it's, a tri- <laughs> it's a triangle on a stick the whole the whole it's a spectrum triangle on the stick yeah. and folk don't you know people some people just don't like that they don't like kind of like yeah. it's like i don't want to put my artistic skills out in display you're not here to value your art you're here to value the fact that i've just sent a whole pile of goblins your way and you're just going to lose points for the kind of the rest of the round <laughs> which is kind of which is kind of which is kind of fine how's it been in terms of approaching the kind of the the marketing because one of the things we've not with we've kind of slid away from is the whole, oh, there's the Cardboard Edison Award kind of thing, which you're humble <laughs> enough, obviously, to have not kind of mentioned in it. Because I would be like, you know, your man out of will and grace going, a Mac Award, a Mac Award, a Mac Award <laughs> kind of thing. Um, Which if not, I mean, how did that? Was that, was that kind of like, oh, you kind of, you actually... This is this is, people like this, and I just don't like it because it's my baby. But other people kind of really like it as well to kind of vote it kind of thing. Was well, that must have been weird? Oh
1: yeah, no. The cardboard Edison was a big milestone in in that sort of understanding that the game was was hitting a really great note for people mm-hmm. uh, because the these are people who are in industry who've got published games, there are companies and like they're all they don't mm. know me because I'm pretty new to the board game industry, so there's like no there's no like it's just like is like a blind it's a it, it was so yeah it it was a very validating experience to be selected as a finalist mm-hmm. for the game and it was also a great validation for the game for it to be selected for the uh, as the winner like and it it cemented after I play tested at PAX Unplugged, I did feel that the game had potential to potentially to like go to crowdfund and be successful and to be published and I was thinking maybe yeah, it's not the it's not the game you'd advise anybody to make is their first game that they're going to publish because there's a lot of pieces. So it, it doesn't yeah. take any of the boxes that I had previously. Talk about not taking your own advice. I I definitely advise myself to make like a card only game or maybe yeah. card, maybe dice. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's what Unicorn Clinic is supposed to be, was supposed to be. Oh. But man, Diatom's just like punch those unicorns back. Uh um so after I after that I was like this could be a good game so then I submitted to cardboard edison and then that was really validating and made me feel like yes I definitely mm-hmm. want to move forward with crowdfunding this for sure because it's 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 gotten good reception and it's continued to get really good reactions from people I think it just it hits a a note um it's a wonderful time to be making a science board game I'll say that there's a lot of great science board science like nature themed board games out there and it feels like we're having sort of a like you know renaissance not the right word but there's this like moment where we're kind of seeing it come rise up and uh, so it's a great moment for that um yeah
0: has it what has it been like kind of going out there and doing the marketing side of things then is that been kind of a new thing because a playtesting is oh, yeah. playtesting but marketing is going out and saying you know look Ooh. at my stuff it's awesome and you're just like going well you
1: nailed it yeah you know. no I I have, I have a lot of experience playtesting no problem playtesting is you're not you're mm. definitely not trying to be braggy about the game like you're there to learn um not tell people what they think um yeah I mean marketing is really different for me and, and hard for me. I am working uh, right now with a partner, Dina Edso Studio. Yes. It's helping with the Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah. And so that has been. I have learned so much, and uh, I've gotten a lot more comfortable doing social media, for example, and promoting myself and the games. But it's still, still not a place that brings me joy. Uh. So it's so it's still a place where it's it's like work in a really like sort of draining way. Um, but I am learning and getting better at it. It's hard. Um, and I, I have to, my goal is at least I'm bringing this game to market and I want to hopefully do more games as well myself. And so it's just part of the, part of the lay of the lands. It's exciting to learn new things, but this is, this is a hard thing for me for sure.
0: It's awful. I mean, you know, <laughs> I Because it's like I want to play games with my friends And that's it I don't want to go out in front of like several hundred people And tell them about it And especially have to tell them uh, It's very wonderful and kind of very very good Because it's like It's almost like I don't know There's an expectations on kind of like game designers To say like Well you're expected to kind of be like the triple threat You're expected to be like a really good game designer You're expected to kind of like know how to market out there And you're also expected to know how to deliver it and it's like it's like i don't remember ever turning up at a games group where i was playtesting and saying okay this is all really good but can you tell me how much it's going to be to ship 15 pallets of this from china into the kind of like the main port and cover all the taxes and you're just like no <laughs>
1: yes i was not prepared for this i will say that i have found the board game community of designers to be very welcoming and sharing uh so far i've had the luck to meet to be, interact with people who are willing to sort of share their experience yeah. and and chat about things yeah. um i also yeah so I, I have i have learned a lot by talking to other people by um watch and there there are there are also like thought leaders in the space in that are public semi-public figures in board games who who are willing to like write about it stuff and and talk about it publicly in a way that i would never <laughs> i'm not like super keen to make youtube videos of myself talking uh even doing podcasts is a new thing for me although i'm starting to get used to it i've done a few for for diatoms now uh and it's it's fine it's good Um, But it's not like my default, whereas there are other people for whom like talking in front of people and sharing that in in that way on a regular basis, like making content about their process is a huge part of their process and they're good at it. And that's I think that's super beneficial for for people to be able to to, like absorb that and consume that. Uh, Even if you don't know that person personally, you can kind of like see a little bit behind the curtain of what they experienced.
0: I mean, there's some people that are really good at kind of like putting their design thoughts out there all the time. I mean, Frank West does it. Gabe Barrett, I think the board game design lab, he does an awful yep. lot. And obviously, um, Mr. Stegmeier is constantly kind of just yep, thro- of those, throwing sure. stuff out there all the time, kind of thing, which is kind of which is kind of um, kind of fun and interesting and all and all very good. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of cost and money and that horrible stuff like that how much how much does a pledge cost how much how much does it how i was gonna say what's it cost to get your foot in the petri dish but i don't know if you want to do that because <laughs> you might pick it.
1: the the backer price for one copy of diatoms is 45 dollars plus shipping and applicable tax when the game ships and then, if you want to get two and give one to your science-loving, puzzle-loving, puzzle game-loving friend, or I don't know, someone who likes Victorian vibes in a game, any of those things, uh, or you just want to play with eight people, I don't know, you can try that. Um, that there's a double diatoms for eighty-five. It's
0: double threat. It's like tag yes. teaming in World Wrestling Federation. If you were going to be taking part. In a board game, tag team event, and you were planning that for next year and you were wondering what double board game you were gonna take with you in order to win the tag team championship, you should pledge eighty five dollars or seventy one pounds and you will get two copies of Diatoms. The other thing is as well is that you've also got digital diatoms, which yes. is the digital version of Diatoms on Screen top, and it's exclusive yes. to backers until July
1: well there's this exclusive version there is a public demo as well so uh-huh. you can play Diatoms on Screentop it's on the Screentop.gg mm-hmm. homepage and you can give it a spin not all the guest judges are in there and there's only a few of the solo puzzles um, that are in there and then for backers and, and it has art and it doesn't have all the final art in it for, the ba- for backers, within 48 hours of backing, uh-huh. I send you a link to the backer version. So before the campaign ends, every day I'm putting a new prototype commission puzzle. Commissions is the solo variant of yeah. Diatoms, where yeah. instead of um, instead of making a mosaic that gets scored, you're instead making, like a there's a prompt of like, mm. I want a mosaic that looks like a flower. Yeah. And it, this is kind of like what I want. So you try to complete that mosaic within certain parameters. Uh, and so I have a bunch of prototypes of that and I'm still deciding which ones are going to make it into the, the shipped physical game. And I'm, I'm inviting backers to try anyone every day if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after the Kickstarter campaign ends, all the backers at digital diatoms level or above will get a permanent screen top key to continue to access the game. And that the other the demo will go away and backers will have access through, at least exclusively, at least through July. I went mm-hmm. the game ships. Then after that, there may be like a, maybe I'll open it up more, but that way, backers, people who support the game, will be able to like play it. The nice thing is, you can on screen top you can invite anybody to play. So if you're a backer and you've got a key to Diatoms, so you can start a room and you yeah. can invite someone else to join your room. Cool. Um, and it pr- runs in any browser, so there's a lot of nice pieces to it in terms of accessibility.
0: I don't think I've seen that before. I'll be honest with you. It's a bit, seen I don't what? Think, I've not seen somebody actually doing like a screen top saying you can actually come ahead and kind of play the game. I think that's unusual. And also, it's it's it's. A, I've seen people kind of say, "Well, you can go to um, you can go to Tabletop Simulator and try it there." But having something like that, that yeah. that's that's intriguing. That is intriguing to me. Um, there's lots of days left, isn't there? I mean, you've got like about three. We well, got four weeks at time of recording, and you yep. are currently. How's your F five key? Have you worn it out yet? With refreshing the page, is it is it holding up well?
1: It's. Yeah, no, I definitely like as the day was ending yesterday, I was like, I'm writing down my piece of advice to anybody doing a Kickstarter themselves and to myself right now. Just close the window. Just like just put it away for a little while and then come back and don't look at it because, yeah, you get like and the first couple hours, it's super satisfying because there's that immediate hit every time like, oh, more people, more people. And then at some point, like it starts to slow down and now you're just like you're just doing work that feels like. I don't. It, it it doesn't feel meaningful, but like I don't know the clicking tricks your brain into it's meaningful. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have other things that I should be doing. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, no. The F five, the clicking, the button, the switching windows, the picking up the phone, like all those variations, I've definitely yeah. been doing them. I can't avoid it, but I'm I'm trying to tell. I'm like my inner coach is like, don't do it. Close the window. Walk away leave your phone at home for the evening walk yeah
0: but they hold lizard brains like come on <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> let's just let's press that button let's just press that button
1: it's yeah hard. no it's it's really hard to turn off and of course like i want i want the exciting moment of that the game is fully funded i'm like i'm looking yeah. forward to that celebratory moment um uh yeah, and yeah it, i can't it's it's I can't not. I can't look away at hundred percent, but I am trying to not have it consume every moment of my eyeball time. It's said eleven
0: thousand two hundred and eight pounds at the moment. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just. It's no. Don't check. You're not allowed to check. It's thirteen thousand six hundred and nine dollars. So there you go. Um, if people don't, you dare. If people have um, listened along today and they went, "Oh, this is really fun," where? And they want to just find out more about yourself in general. Where do you exist on the internet webs? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, My little liminal presence is primarily on Instagram. That's where I usually post. I'm also on Blue Sky, both as little liminal and myself, Sabrina C. Uh, I do have a Twitter account, though I've I've definitely... I'm posting a little bit there for the start of the campaign. I know you're going to correct me to X. I can't, it, it doesn't make sense in a sentence, so I don't know. I, I'm i there less and less. I was never there a ton. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also a Facebook presence. I have a brand new TikTok for Little Liminal, no. which apparently I, I did something wrong and I got shadow banned, so I can't follow anyone yeah. for, we'll see how many days that lasts. Yeah. I, I don't know. I got. They thought I was a bot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the primary, I, 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 Instagram is the place where I like to post on the okay. socials because right. it's visual forward, and mm. I like that. And it's and it's usually short content. Um,
0: awesome. Yeah. Well, we will take those. We will take all of the links and we'll put them in the show notes, so that we have got notes to show. And if no, you and a Kickstarter link. Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah that one.
1: I'll send you that one.
0: <laughs> that, that'd be good. <laughs>
1: just a hint and of course ludoliminal.com and diatoms the game.com yeah. are two websites as well
0: kickstarter.com forward slash projects i'll put the links in the show notes everybody it's not yeah, like yeah, anybody, yeah. you know it's like oh, oh i mean you could just out. go and
1: like search just diatoms search it. it's only there's only one other project i think in the history of kickstarter about diatoms and it was a book so there you go at least last time i checked so if you just search diatoms you'll definitely
0: find it definitely find it yeah and if you want to find out what we're up to And I don't know why so many of you do. And sometimes there's more of you finding out what we're up to. And that kind of is scary because it's like, you know, I guess if things are only getting better and also worse at the same time. So maybe you're trying to seek me for a refuge. I have no idea. Just go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different places where people exist electronically online. Uh, you can find our blog, which is werenotwizards.co.uk You can find the place where the podcast exists, which is werenotwizards.com And we're on all the different um, social medias as well If you've listened along and you've went, this is quite fun, I like this Then please go to your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a subscription And if you like us a little bit more, drop us a rating or a review If you are going to be giving us a rating or review Don't give us 10 stars it makes me big-headed. But at the same time, don't give me one. Because it makes me cry. Give me something in the middle. Like a five. Because it's average. And I'm just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average is rather wonderful. Rather fantastic. Sabrina Silba. Thank you very, very much for guesting.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember... That we're many things but we're not wizards Are we wizards? No yes. It's about time I was having a run of people that were just bringing the magic thing in And they were just, just disappointing me completely um, And it's good to see you're not following in those things, footsteps And the second thing is to say goodbye So it's a goodbye from Sabrina Say goodbye Sabrina Goodbye And it's a goodbye from me, remember Stay safe, roll sixes uh, Make something awful or small, like really small, like tiny algae size. Until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never licked.